Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Volume. Charles Darwin. The nerves is where it's at. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Graber and alongside me is Logan Camden. And today we're going to be talking about the week six action coming up in the NFL. But first, before we get into our predictions, some of the biggest questions about this week's slate of games. We're going to touch on Thursday Night Football, where we saw yet another Denver Broncos disaster class. Up to this point, it's been the historically awful defense. But in this game, they're shut out for most of it, end up getting one touchdown on the board. Given how awful they are, Logan, do you have any more takeaways on this team? And who do you blame most for this disaster? Well, I have a couple of questions first. I just want to uh, have a conversation with the man who's putting the Broncos and the Giants in primetime games every week. I just think it's yeah. <laughs> disgusting, deranged behavior. It is. Uh, I don't think any fans are enjoying these games, uh, and I'm I'm just honestly befuddled that we have another New York Giants primetime game later this week against your Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Broncos stink, man. I feel really bad for Broncos fans that they've had to endure these past two seasons. I struggle to believe that it's real, man. I can't believe that a team can be this dysfunctional. I mean, I don't know if Sean Payton is the man to to get this job done, Carson. I think it's a lot to ask of a retired coach to come in here and completely change the culture when I think that they're completely far away from being legitimate contenders, man. You know, normally when coaches step into situations like this, it's a one to two to, you know, three-year rebuild and you're right back in there. I don't really see that path to the Broncos, right? Uh, you think about Andy Reid after he was let go from the Eagles. He takes over the two and 14 Chiefs. I mean, within three years, they're a legitimate contender again. I don't really see that path to the Broncos primarily because of the Russell Wilson contract. That's the biggest issue here, man. Everybody wants to go. Uh, we need to replace Russell Wilson. And I think that was a big takeaway from this game because he throws two of the worst interceptions I've ever thrown, uh, ever seen Russell Wilson throw. That's why you can't go into a full rebuild. You can't just throw in the towel here. Everybody, oh, just replace Russell Wilson. You know, he's still got four more years of a mammoth contract left. I think a lot of this 
is on Sean Payton. I think a lot of this is on Russell Wilson, but I think there's a massive talent deficit here too uh, completely in Denver. I don't think the wide receivers are impactful as we thought they were going to be. I think this defense completely sucks, mainly the linebackers. Dude, they cannot cover over the middle, Carson. We saw it against the Dolphins, how they were picked apart against. They get 70-piece. Dude, I mean, they get destroyed by Travis Kelsey just on improvisational routes in this game, man. Uh, and I think a large chunk of this is on Vance Joseph. You've been mentioning the defensive regression throughout this season. Carson, dead last in the league. They're, they're allowing over 30 points per game. If I had to give a blame pie right now, man, I would say... Uh, I'll go 50% on Broncos' ownership because I don't think Sean Payton was the right man for this job. I'll give 20% to Sean Payton. I'll give 20% to Vance Joseph, and I'll give 10% to Russell Wilson. Uh, he deserves some of the blame. I think it's been overblown, but uh, last game was not a glowing endorsement of, uh, of Russell Wilson. I think, the Broncos, uh, I think the Broncos' management deserves most of this blame for giving the big contract to Russ, for giving the big money to Sean Payton. I think both were fundamental missteps in a rebuild where I think they needed to go out and get a young offensive mind and a complete overhaul of this team instead of pushing their chips into contention. I think that uh, when they bought this team, Carson, they thought they were legitimate playoff contenders really close to a Super Bowl and that Russell Wilson was going to put them over this hump. And I just don't think that was ever the case. That's interesting because it did feel like Coming off that 2021 season, when they were truly elite defensively, they had one of the best secondaries in football, really, really stellar unit. If they could have added that dynamic quarterback, then they could have been in that contending conversation. And I think that's why so many people were so high on them. Yeah, Russ absolutely ended up being the wrong guy. But I do think there was real potential, and that's what is so painful here. Now you've let that defensive window slip away. They're awful there. Sean Payton maybe wasn't the perfect hire. I certainly don't think that he has overhauled this culture in the way that it needed to be, and he takes responsibility for that. But first and foremost, he's an offensive mind. The offense was awful yesterday. Russ was awful, but for the most part, that hasn't been the case. He inherited a dumpster fire. It remains a dumpster fire, but I don't think that we should put a majority of it on him. I think the biggest problem is the defensive regression, and I think that Vance Joseph absolutely should lose his job after the year for that if he makes it that far. When you take a unit that, I mean, has produced at such a high level over the last couple years, this falloff has been truly shocking. They look like they have no idea what's going on out there, and this past game wasn't the best example of that because they actually played solidly, but the first five outings just absolutely awful I do think Russ still bears a significant portion of the blame because at best he's an average starting quarterback still and whatever resurgence we were going to see from him after last year that was the realistic bar to hope for because he was far below that last year and I think through the most part over the first five weeks he was solid uh, he was capable and he had one really bad game, but he still falls within that average range. That is really bad return for what they traded, which is multiple first round picks, another handful of draft picks on top of that, a legitimate impactful player like Noah Fant. Like they really sold the farm and of course gave him this historic contract. So 
That's a disaster. It was a misstep by the organization. Russ, of course, has regressed in a really significant way last year and just hasn't bounced back enough this year. And Sean Payton hasn't done a good job. But the Broncos are in a really uniquely awful spot. And when you think about if they had their top 10 pick last year, if they had Witherspoon this year, who is already a stud in Seattle, like... It's just going to continue to hurt more and more as they have lost out on those assets and as they have to continue to pay Russ. Dude, these NFL teams have got to stop giving up first-round picks. Like, you've got to have the foresight to think about next season. Like, I I think the worst one isn't even the Broncos. The Panthers trading away their first-round pick, and now it's looking like Chicago may get the number one overall pick off of them giving it away they're just so much more valuable in the nfl man you have to know the opportunity cost like i I already thought it was a lot right giving up drew lock and noah fant just good regular players then you give up the first round picks on top of that and then you give out the massive portion of your salary cap i mean all things in total and considering the results i mean it's one of the worst trades ever Yeah, absolutely and it's one of the worst contracts ever and you get the nice benefit of having those two things together so they to me have no chance at saving their season they're going to be one of the worst teams in football you know what can we expand this Carson I mean do they have any chance at saving this rebuild I mean I think it's almost worth hitting the demolish button and maybe just going into the gutter for the next three years man and it's it's made worse by the fact that Russ is going to be under contract Mm -hmm. that you don't have your first round picks for a little bit I mean, how do you get better over the next three years? I don't even think it's about saving this season. I don't think it's about saving next year. How do you get better in two to three years, man? What is the timeline for the Broncos? The timeline is you're really, really awful. I mean, luckily they do have their first again this year. So that's something to look forward to. Congrats on that. But no, they have really invested their resources entirely in the wrong people. And that's going to set you back in a big way no matter what. On the flip side of this, Logan, the Chiefs continue to chug along, and they've only lost one game on the season, that being their opener against Detroit, but maybe haven't been as dominant, especially offensively, as we're used to. What do you take away for them? Uh, To me, the Chiefs and Eagles are almost having mirrored seasons, Mm. in my opinion, Carson, in the sense that... You know, I think a lot of people have been underwhelmed by maybe the scores, the outcomes of these games, that the Chiefs aren't dominating in usual fashion. And I do want to put one thing on the table. I think this is the least talented Chiefs offense by explosivity that I've ever seen in terms of receiving core. Like, it really is every possession down. It feels like just Kelsey and Mahomes, right? And damn, they're literally one one of the greatest QB receiver duos I've ever seen. They're improvisational ability their connection it's just you can't you can't mend that but I think this is the most talented Kansas City Chiefs team that we've seen in the Mahomes era I think if we're looking top to bottom I think this is the best offensive line that Pat's ever played behind I think this is the best defense that Pat has ever played with and I think this is the best running game that Pat's ever played with so I know a lot of people are looking at this team and maybe going the Chiefs are human they're letting teams linger around in these games they're not beating the brakes off of the teams in usual fashion. And maybe we're seeing a Kansas City team that's not well-equipped to come back from big deficits the way we saw in years previous. You know, they go down 20 nothing, uh, and it doesn't matter. They can just erase leads in a heartbeat. But I think this is the, the best Chiefs team 
in terms of playing real football, if that makes sense, right? It didn't seem like the Chiefs were playing NFL, you know, reg- football by regular rules over the past few years. It didn't matter. Whatever deficit, they could erase in three possessions. I think when we were looking at this team top to bottom, though, I think it is the best group that Patrick Mahomes has ever had around him. And I think, you know, I compare him to the Eagles it's because they're not blowing teams out. They're winning games in their style. And so, I, I don't know, for a while I was wondering, is this the most human team or the Chiefs even the favorite out in the AFC? The Chiefs, to me, are still the favorite in the AFC. And I, I not only think that this is a good group around Mahomes, I think this is the best group that Mahomes has ever had around him uh, with this being the worst receiving core he's ever played with. So you're talking mostly about the defense then. Definitely, yeah. man. I think that Spags and this group have continue to get better. Now, they haven't played a really, really great offense yet, and I want to see them withstand against, you know, I think next week is going to be a lot of fun against the Chargers. Uh, we got the Dolphins. So I think we are going to see them play against real offensive contenders. But, uh, yeah, I think this is the best overall group around Mahomes, specifically the defense, though, is where I've been super impressed. Yeah, this defense is very, very, very legit. I do think it is the best defense of the Chiefs era, and they get a lot of pressure. They're top seven in pressure rate. We did see them against the best offense they faced, that being the Lions week one, without Chris Jones, still hold them to 14 points offensively. I think it's a really good defense on all three levels. I think the secondary is overachieved. I think the linebackers are very legit with Bolton and Leo Chanel playing very well. That is arguably the strength of this team right now. I mean, they have been more consistently elite defensively than offensively, and that's a scary formula. I do think that this is, yeah, one of the least explosive Chiefs offenses that we've seen under Mahomes, and honestly, up to this point, the least explosive, but I do think that the weapons have grown on me as this year has progressed. Week one, I thought, was really a disaster class, and of of course, you don't have Kelsey out there who opens up so much, but... The drops, the miscommunications, everything was so out of sync. Since then, I think that Rasheed Rice has really grown into his own. I think that there are deep threats here with Justin Watson, with Valdez Scantling. Tony is the guy who can do stuff for you in space. I think that Noah Gray is a pretty solid tight end. Like, they don't have great all-around receivers, but they have guys who can fill these specific roles, and they have a lot of them. I mean, Mahomes is routinely completing passes to eight to ten different receivers in every game. So it's an interesting group. Yeah, of course it doesn't compare to some of the dynamism of the past when they had two of the five best receiving weapons in the NFL on the field at the same time. But versus last year, I actually think it might be a better all-around receiving core because the depth is better and some of the young guys have improved. And... Part of this is just the sort of defensive approaches that Mahomes is facing, right? You see so many too high safety looks, so much designed to make them dink and dunk, but Mahomes can dink and dunk. So I agree, it's not the most explosive Chiefs offense that we've seen, but it is probably the best defense. The offense has grown on me. I think that Pacheco is legitimately good. And with the injuries to the Bills defense, Kansas City is my favorite. A healthy Bills defense, given how elite they could be, that would probably be my favorite, but I think the losses to Milano and Trey White are just too damaging. I'm 100% with you, and I think that the Chiefs are kind of limiting themselves in a lot of ways too, man. 
uh, Andy, not kicking field goals in the red zone. Like, are you above getting three points, mm-hmm. my man? Look, dude, just take the easy points. It's it's a 10 in a football. When you're down there and it's free, you just take it, Andy. And then the gimmicked plays uh, yeah. on fourth downs in the red zone. Uh, Gabe, a friend of the show, Gabe Swartz, love him. Uh, Kansas City legend Gabe Swartz always talks to us because they've been doing this for years, man. It's not a new thing. Yeah, let's run a tight end option where we yeah, let's run a triple option with Noah Gray. Mm-hmm. Guys, you have Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Don't don't run a fake punt. Don't run a fake field goal. Just give him the rock and let him go to work. I I think in a lot of ways that on offense that Kansas City's been limiting themselves to where just making dumb boneheaded mistakes. And honestly, I don't know about you, Carson. I feel like this is the most human that Mahomes has ever looked yeah. for game to game. Even that uh that interception that he threw where I thought he was throwing the ball away and it was just a it was a parabolic throw, man. Mm-hmm. It, it just goes right up and down into an inter, uh, into a defender's hands. I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of the Chiefs' wounds on offense, too, have been self-inflicted. Yeah. So, I, in a lot of ways, I, I think this is the, yeah, the strongest Chiefs team top to bottom. And I, I agree with you. If the Bills were healthy, I would take Buffalo, but... Uh, considering we can't bank on that. Kansas City is still my overwhelming favorite out in the AFC with Cincinnati struggles, with Baltimore struggles. Uh, the, the Chiefs are inevitable, man. I do agree on some of the self-inflicted wounds offensively. I'm all for Andy's creativity. I think he's a genius, one of the best play callers ever. But I enjoy the creativity most when it still ends up with the ball in the hands of probably the best football player ever. Like, get cute, get dudes in space, but have Mahomes in control of things. And he hasn't been his best. Like he threw a second pick yesterday that they were very lucky about a pretty iffy pass interference call, but just totally overthrew the receiver. So he's, I would say put the ball in dangerous spots a few too many times, but he's still Patrick Mahomes. I think he's still clearly QB one. And I agree. The chiefs are the best team in the AFC. Okay. Let's talk about a team that's trying to climb into that conversation from the seller of the AFC, that being the Cincinnati Bengals. We saw the big bounce back performance last week. Joe Burrow looking like himself again. Can they keep it alive against the Seattle Seahawks? I don't know, man. I think this is a really tough matchup for the Bengals, Carson. Now, again, this has been the track record for Cincinnati over the past couple years. Sputtering, slow start, Burrow and Chase get hot, and they never look back. So, I think this offense could be really, really explosive. I think that if Burrow and Chase are going to play like this, sure, you can count the Bengals in as contenders week in, week out. When your top three QB is playing like a top three top three QB, you are in every game. And let me tell you what, Jeff Burrow, uh, Jeff Burrow, who is that? Joe Burrow's calf looked really good last week, man. It really didn't look like he had trouble doing anything, planning, scrambling, moving within the pocket, out of the pocket, planning, uh, changing and making his progressions on the run. Uh, The thing with the game against the Seahawks this week, though, is the running game, in my opinion. The Bengals' defense ranks 30th uh, in yards per attempt against the run. The Seahawks' uh, rushing offense has been really effective thus far. Uh, I I don't know if they're going to be able to stop them. And I still have concerns about this secondary, right? It's still the same concerns that we've had, Carson. I don't know about this defense completely and if I should buy in. It's the Bengals are such a weird team, man. Like I know we always talk about the slow start, but it really is just them. They sputter out of the gates, and then somehow at the end of the season, they have the best pass rush in all of football with Hubbard and Hendrickson. They've got an elite middle of the field anchored by Pratt and Wilson, and their secondary is turned up. But I do think this is 
probably the worst Bengals team of the past few seasons. Uh, I think this is a good litmus test for the Bengals, Carson. If they can't get it done against the Seahawks, I don't really know if they're legit contenders because I don't consider the Seahawks as legit contenders. I have them on the cusp. To me, they're in the Cowboys tier right now if they need to prove it to me. You know what I mean? Uh, so I would. I think that if the Bengals win this game, I can see light at the end of the tunnel. I can see them making a playoff push and being real contenders, but the Seahawks aren't a pushover, uh, and I think this is a real prove-it game to me. Prove it that you can play defense. Prove it that you can get it done against a really good pass rush and a really good run defense. Uh, this is a tough game. I would I would take the Bengals in this one, but I think it's going to be a really close game. Interesting. I feel like you're maybe selling Seattle a little bit short. I think that they're really pretty clearly the better football team here. I'm very, wow. very glad that Joe Burrow looked like himself. And I do think that that fixes some issues for Cincinnati, but it's like we talked about last week. They're still one of the worst rushing attacks in football. I still think the line has really struggled. They're still not a high end pass rush. I still think the secondary has regressed. Like, there's still a lot of very concerning things with me for Cincy, and Seattle was really rough in week one, but since then, I think we've seen them consistently produce offensively. I mean, they dominated against the Lions in a way that nobody else has, and we just saw a suffocating defensive performance. It's against the New York Giants offensive line and <laughs> offense as a whole. So take that with a grain of salt. But I do think it's a solid pass rush. I do think it's a good secondary. They've defended the run really well so far. I want to see that hold up just because that wasn't a strength of theirs last year. But they feel like a more complete football team to me. And I do think that Geno is still very legit. Like, Maybe he hasn't produced quite at the same level that he did throughout the first 12, 13 weeks of last year when he was pretty unbelievable. But since that rough week one, I think that he has controlled the game well. I think he's still capable of some real big time throws. I like the running back room for Seattle. I just think they're a better all around football team. They have less glaring holes to me. So it was good to see since he bounced back for a week. But I definitely need to see more before I'm confident in them beating legitimately good teams, which is what I think Seattle is. And if we're spotlighting key matchups, too, that's a good point, Carson. I mean, I think it's probably the best secondary that Cincinnati's going to go up against. And we've seen Cincy struggle with uh, less than that going into it. I mean, you're going to be taking on, uh, I think, rookie of the year, Devin Witherspoon, yeah. Quandre Diggs, Tariq Woolen, like... This is a pretty big prove-it game for the Bengals, but straight up, you just think Seattle's better than Cincy. I do. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I, I don't have you just done a complete 180 on the Bengals because Burrow looks healthy? Does that oh, don't, erase don't all their wrong. other problems? Oh, no. Burrow gave me a great brain wipe last weekend. That was <laughs> nice to, like, wipe the slate clean. Like, he took the eraser and just completely took the chalkboard off. Now, I, 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 I wiped Apparently. I mean, a lot of my concerns still remain with Cincy, but I wonder, man, was it full? Was it just the Bengals playing around? Were they just, you know, goofing on teams? Were they just saying, ah, we're going to take these first three weeks off? Nope, I don't it know. definitely wasn't that. <laughs> I can see them. I can see them flipping the switch and playing better the rest of the way. I mean, I think a lot of their issues were with just not being able to move the ball, not being able to sustain drives with Burrow. Yeah. 
I don't know. I, I do buy into the Bengals a little bit the rest of the year. You still think a lot of their issues persist? I do. I think that this is a football team that has regressed in every way, and Joe Burrow being more himself again doesn't just singularly fix that. And mentioned just really tough schedule down the stretch. I don't think this is a playoff team, and I think the Seahawks wow. definitely are. I can't believe that you're this surprised. I mean, Logan, we both thought that the Cardinals were going to beat them a week ago. And, of course, Burrow, looking Ah. like himself, changes the dynamics a good bit. Joe Burrow, he's so damn handsome, man. Ah. (laughs) Dude, he's got you under (laughs) his spell, man. He's got you freaking out over there. He's done some sort of memory wipe. Yeah, I think Seattle wins this game. I think they're the better football team. The NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet 5 bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code NERDS. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code NERDS only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problems with gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources let's talk about another afc north nfc west matchup that being niners browns and before we get into this i just want to ask logan we've talked a little bit about purdy mania and how impressive he was last week in that dominant win over the cowboys do you think he is the nfl's mvp right now that's crazy man that's crazy I, I I don't not really an answer out here. I, I don't know I don't know where this narrative came from. No, I don't I, I don't know who Who's I'd, the MVP? I don't know who I'd pick at this point. I mean I guess statistically it's probably Purdy. I'd probably take my rational brain would probably say Mahomes or TJ Watt more. Like if we're looking at singular forces. Yeah. Yeah, like I don't know. It's tough because it feels like I don't I'm trying to come up with an accurate MVP comparison through NFL history. I really can't. It would be unprecedented if Brock Purdy won MVP. Like normally everybody that's won it has been such an elevator of talent and I just feel like Purdy's kind of again, I love Brock Purdy. I think he's a really good quarterback. I don't think he's MVP. I guess at this point in the season I guess it is Purdy. I I don't know who would you go with? I would still probably say TJ or Mahomes, if we're looking at singular elevators, are, are probably better at this point. But I don't know. Is Purdy your MVP? Well, it's sort of a silly conversation because we're five weeks in, and I would really be shocked if Purdy ended the season firmly in that conversation. Like, he will be really efficient. His production will probably be pretty impressive. He will lead one of the best offenses and the best team in football in all likelihood. But I just think there are other guys who are playing the quarterback position at a higher level. If we're looking at traditional MVP criteria, though, team success is so important. Like, I think the two dudes who have played the best at the quarterback position so far are Justin Herbert for the 2-2 and Chargers, who has had some situational issues late in games still, 
and Josh Allen since week one, but I still think they've had a couple bad losses and the turnovers probably bite him. Mahomes just hasn't been his sharpest, has had too many turnovers. So in terms of production, it probably would be Purdy right now. I think that also two is in that conversation because he's in that same tier of elite production and really, really favorable circumstances. But I just think he's made more mistakes. He's had more of those turnovers. So Mahomes always makes a case. He just hasn't been good by his standards. I don't think there's any chance Brock Purdy ends the season in, in these conversations. But how do you feel about this matchup for the Niners? And also the Brown side of this, Deshaun Watson continues to battle injury. So what's your take on this game? Yeah, I, I talked to one of my friends who was a Niners fan the other day, and he was saying Niners by 20 points. If we don't win this game by 20, uh, I'm going to be disappointed. Now that Deshaun is out, if the Niners don't win this by 20, I'll be pretty disappointed. I was excited for this matchup again. I'm going to let the Browns fly under the radar. I'm going to let people continue to sell Brown stock because I feel like nobody's really considering them as a legit contender right now. They lose Nick Chubb. Deshaun Watson hasn't been healthy. And let me be clear about this game. I do not give the Browns a prayer at winning this game if DTR is under center. I think the Niners' defense is going to cause problems. Uh, I think this offense is going to play pretty well. This is a real matchup still. Like, the Browns have had a really good defense uh, through five weeks. They're third overall by points. Uh, and they've really handled everybody except Baltimore, uh, you know, who handed it to them last week. So I like Cleveland moving forward. Again, I still think this is one of the best offensive lines in football. I think they're strong in the trenches on the other side. I think this is a top 10 defense. They've had a pretty light schedule this thus far. I, they don't they don't have any uh, opportunity to win this game with DTR at the helm. I think they're just going to struggle, but... I still buy into the Browns as real contenders. I think they're better than the Steelers. I think they still might be better than the Bengals. And I think they're going to battle with Baltimore. If Baltimore can't figure it out offensively, if these receivers continue to struggle, if Lamar continues to make crucial late-game mistakes, the Browns still might be my favorite out in the AFC North. I just want to see them healthy. But in this game specifically, roll Niners. I'd probably take, I'd probably take San Francisco by two TDs. Yeah, it's starting to feel like the Brown season is a little bit cursed, unfortunately, as their entire franchise is. Nothing new to them. The Deshaun injury lingering, something that wasn't even really made out to be an issue until he just missed the game against the Ravens and now misses another one. Obviously, losing Chubb and Conklin for the season is devastating for them. I do think it's an extremely talented football team at full strength, and we've talked about that. The foundation being offensively dominant line dominant run game i still think there's a good formula there but it's definitely taken a step back and then elite pass rush very good all-around defense we've seen one of the best in football so far this year and then if they have good quarterback play that's the sort of team that can start to creep into contending conversations but right now i mean the injuries are hurting them particularly at the quarterback position deshaun has not been good i mean he's played one good game this year but yeah dtr was awful now it's going to be P.J. Walker who starts. I mean, maybe that's an upgrade. P.J. Walker's had a pretty rough go at it, man. XFL legend, shout out to him. So they, at full strength, I do think are in those conversations, especially in an AFC that is looking open. But right now they're just, 
they're they're too banged up and the Niners are a machine like nobody else in football they are going to eat PJ Walker alive I think as good as the Browns pass rushes Purdy gets the ball out so fast they can rely on the run game so much and be so dominant there the Niners are just a class above the rest of the league right now and the Browns are going to be the next team to experience that firsthand let's talk about another team in the NFC Logan that has been really, really impressive so far this year. And then the team they're taking on, your darling Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Facing off this week, we've got the Lions against the Bucks. Do you think the Lions are actual Super Bowl contenders at this point? Yes, I do, Carson. Oh. I, I think the Lions are Super Bowl contenders. I had, uh, if we hearken back to preseason, I had the Lions going to the NFC title game uh, in falling to the Philadelphia Eagles. That was my original yeah. prediction. I had them beating Dallas in the divisional round and advancing. Name a hole on the Lions team, please. Like, I I'll wait. I, I think the Lions are freaking loaded, man, top to bottom. Uh, I've talked about this all year long. Uh, and for a couple years now, I, I think the Lions offensive line is one of the best in football. And I think it is genius how they have rebuilt this thing. Going out and getting the first-round picks from the Rams, taking Goff is just a, I mean, like a throw-in. Yeah, you guys can just have Jared Goff. Whatever, we don't care. Uh, and they've turned him into a franchise quarterback. Around Goff, I just think it's an ideal situation. Awesome running game between the tackles. A ton of great skill position, guys. Last week, they don't even have a Ross St. Brown, and the offense doesn't really miss a beat. Uh, you've got another great Iowa tight end here in Sam Laporta. I think the receiving cores are pretty deep. you got Jamison Williams coming back, uh, who was suspended. He hasn't even set foot on the field yet. you got Khalif Raymond, Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, Laporta, dude. Uh, the, the skill position talent's loaded. That's not even mentioning Jameer Gibbs. And then on the defensive side of the ball, Aiden Hutchinson is playing like a legitimate defensive player of the year candidate right now. Uh, the sack totals may not reflect it. Uh, he leads the NFL in pressures right now and is arguably the best edge rusher in football. Uh, you think about the big-time playmaking, too, the interception on Bryce Young. But, again, strong in the trenches. Aleem McNeil has been one of the best interior defensive linemen in all of football this year. You need that for playoff football. Charles Harris has been awesome. on the In the secondary, they've been awesome. Brian Branch, Cam Sutton. Uh, if C.J. Gardner-Johnson was healthy, you know, I think it takes him up another notch. I hope he's back before the end of the season. And they've been great in the middle of the field, too. Alex Anzalone, Jack Campbell. I mean, there's just not a hole on this football team. I think they are built to dominate uh, in the postseason. If they continue to run the football, if they continue to dominate in the trenches, if they continue to get pressure on the uh, QB, and they make Jared, Goff job, uh, Jared Goff's job easy— because that's the one scenario that you just do not want to leave yourself open for. It's how you beat the Lions. I think it's how you beat the San Francisco 49ers. You disrupt the running game. You make Purdy. You make Goff beat you. I'm not saying you're still going to win the football game because I think those are two top 15 QBs. They can kill you with their skill position guys because they're very talented. But there's not a hole on this team. And again, man, just trajectory. They continue, Carson, to build week, uh, to build momentum week by week, dude. It's like a snowball, dude. I think by the end of, I think by the end of the season, you could be looking at a very big snowball heading into the playoffs. And I think the Lions could make a deep playoff run. They're built for the playoffs, and there's no holes on this football team. Uh, I love Detroit, and I'm buying all in on them. And I was hesitant to do it on the show last week, Carson. You tell me if you're with me. 
I think they've leapfrogged the Cowboys. I'm cool on it. I'll take the Lions from here on out. I am with you. And I also thought, even after that embarrassing performance for Dallas, that I probably still slightly preferred them to Detroit. But I just think the reality is Detroit is a team with less holes. They have a more reliable formula. Dallas may have the higher ceiling when everything is clicking because of how much they can dominate with the pass rush. And then if Dak is playing at a really high level, like that is an elite, elite football team. But there are too many situations where we see the offense struggling to establish a rhythm, where we see coaching mistakes, stuff that Detroit has just been pretty impervious to. So I do think that they're number three in the NFC to me right now. I do need to see a couple more things to call them actual Super Bowl contenders, though, because I think there's still a gap in terms of talent on paper versus San Francisco and Philly. Those teams are exceptionally, exceptionally loaded. And one of those things you laid out, I need to see them play from behind and win games where they need Goff to create. Jared Goff is playing the quarterback position at a very high level. I think he's making excellent decisions. I think he is a very good thrower from inside the pocket. And this offense is just humming, and he is a big part of that. But when the run game does break down, when you are facing a high-level defense, I want to see him really elevate to that higher level because you're going to need it against the elite, elite football teams. You can't just grind down the San Francisco 49ers and control a game against them for 60 minutes. It won't happen. And then I've also been so impressed by the defense. So, so impressed. The pass rush, the run defense, the improved secondary. They are absolutely a unit that is trending in the right direction. I just want to see it sustained against elite offenses because they played well against Kansas City in a really weird week for the Chiefs. Week one, trying to build any sort of chemistry with the receivers, no Travis Kelsey out there. Then the Seahawks were able to really move the ball on them through the air. And since then, they've played three pretty darn limited offenses. So I do think because of the lack of an elite quarterback and some of the explosiveness through the air that comes with that, my faith in them to win in any style, we need to see that that defense is really, really legit for me to put them in that Super Bowl contender sort of tier But I do think it's a good defense. I do think it's a really good all-around football team. And I do think that they're going to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But what do the Bucs still need to prove, Logan, after a 3-1 and start? I think it's the same thing, Carson. I think it's explosivity. Uh, The Bucs have been really good at executing thus far. Uh, You know, the offense hasn't been particularly explosive. They've just been good at staying, uh, keeping drives alive. They've been really good on third downs. Uh, They've been really efficient, and Mayfield hasn't made mistakes. And maybe that's the recipe. Maybe I shouldn't look for explosivity. Maybe I should just look for Baker Mayfield to hold the defense's hand. But that's what's going to take them up another notch, right? It's been a middling running game, and Mayfield has made plays and executed when they've needed him to. I buy into this defense wholeheartedly. I mean, that is the cornerstone of this team. That is the strength. That's what's going to carry them through. Uh, It's Mayfield continuing to do what he's done. You know, it's it's like... uh, I don't know, man. It's like waiting for waiting for the bottom to drop out, right? We're all waiting on it. We're waiting for that nightmare game because it just feels like it's coming for Tampa Bay. Uh, it's Baker, honestly, continuing to steady the ship. That's the only variable that I have with this team is the QB position and the O-line. But they've been successful in spite of the O-line, and Baker's been playing good football thus far. So it's, it's just about Baker continuing to, to execute and make plays, and he has thus far. Uh, 
because they're not a I mean Tampa Bay is not a real like I, I don't consider Tampa Bay even like a legitimate contender. I think if they go up against anybody in the playoffs, I mean, I think they're getting dogged. But is this a close game to you too? Did, does Tampa Bay have anything they can prove to you in this game? I mean, the things that they need to prove to me are that Baker can sustain this level because he has totally exceeded my expectations. He's been one of the most accurate quarterbacks in football. He's number two in terms of his on-target throw rate. Very impressive. But I do want to see them do this against good offenses. I want to see them win football games because I still think they've been very reliant on the defense and then Baker not making mistakes and maybe playing a bit above his level. This run game is still awful. It was the worst in football last year. It's the worst in football this year in terms of yards per attempt. So, yeah, there's no real ceiling for this team, in my opinion. They have absolutely overachieved what I thought. I had them winning four games. I thought it was going to be a disaster. And I think that (laughs) Baker deserves the most credit because Baker's been playing like an above-average starting quarterback. I don't know if I buy into that being sustained. I do think a team like the Lions that can outplay them in the trenches that also has more skill, position, talent, just a better all-around football team is probably going to put them in their place to some extent. But... They still might end up winning the NFC South. And hey, you know, that's a hell of a lot better than I was expecting. Baker better than Brady confirmed? Baker through four games may be better than Brady in one playoff game last year. I'll give you that. Baker's been good. Baker's been good. I didn't think he would be. Let's go from the NFC South to the AFC South, Logan, where you've got a little showdown between the two frontrunners in that division right now. Colts and Jags, both sitting at 3-2, and two, taking each other on this week. Who is your favorite in that division? I still like the Jaguars a little bit more, Carson. They've got Dwayne Smoot coming back this week. Uh, he's a pretty impactful edge rusher. I think that means a, a fair amount uh, moving forward the rest of this regular season. But I'm still waiting for this offense to really break out and, and be great week to week, uh, especially with Trevor Lawrence, you know. Uh, we earmarked Trevor Lawrence as, you know, a generational QB talent, one of the best of, you know, one of the best prospects ever. I was just having a, a debate with my roommate the other day. Would you rather have Trevor Lawrence or Caleb Williams? You know what I mean? It's 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 kind of weird because Trevor was supposed to be the greatest thing since like Peyton Manning, right? And it even it took Peyton a minute. Peyton threw over 25 interceptions in his rookie season. He led the league in picks. I'm still waiting for Trevor to break through this glass ceiling and, you know, do it week to week where it's not oh man, look at what a great game Trevor played and when it's just the standard, you know what I mean? Where we take it for granted, where it's Josh Allen-esque. I'm still waiting for that week to week and I'm still banking on that the rest of the way. Uh, But this is not a slight to the Indianapolis Colts at all either, man. I think they're a really good football team. I think that they can win football games with Gardner Minshew. I think they're a team that's strong in the trenches. They've been able to run the football thus far and they've been a pretty good defense. But there's just a... There's just a faith that I have in Jacksonville this season offensively. The receivers have struggled. They've not been able to catch the ball. And there's just a, a faith that I have in Trevor Lawrence this season. I don't know why people are selling stock, man. It doesn't make sense to me when I don't think he's been as big of an issue. Don't get me wrong. Trevor's not been great, and I'm still waiting for him to be MVP-level great week to week because that's what I anticipate out of Trevor. That's what I think his abilities suggest that he should be able to play at. So... This is a faith in Trevor and this offense figuring it out more than anything else. But 
I like Jacksonville moving forward, and they're still one of my favorites in the AFC and in the AFC South. They've definitely underwhelmed, but I do still feel like there's a gap between them and the rest of the division. In terms of my faith going forward, they have had some issues. They have not been very good situationally. Up until this last week, they had struggled to run the ball, but they did really dominate. Admittedly, a banged up and exhausted Bills defense there, but they just kept finding success on the ground, which does unlock another dimension to this offense. They have had more drops. Trevor has been good, but he maybe hasn't been the best version of himself. So it just feels to me like they are much more primed to take a leap to sharpen and clean things up as the season goes along. I do think that this is a good defense. It's an above average pass rush and above average run defense. I like the front and I don't think they're going to be elite there. I don't think this is an elite football team. And I saw them hitting that 11, 12 win range, partly as a product of a really weak division that I actually think has been better than I anticipated. And so a schedule that would allow them to get up into that range, but also because I thought this offense could take a leap with Trevor just naturally progressing with better weapons, introducing somebody like Calvin Ridley. We haven't seen it yet. And the Colts, I've had a real bounce back year. I think the defense has bounced back a bit. I still think though, I mean, they are less talented in terms of weapons. There's obviously a massive gap in quarterback play. Minshew is one of the best backups in the league. Anthony Richardson has been really impressive for a rookie there's still a big drop-off from Trevor Lawrence to those guys. The Colts' secondary also hasn't been great, and I think that the Jags and Trevor Lawrence and that passing attack may be able to exploit that this week. So I feel that what the Jags have done is much more sustainable. I mean, even more than that. Like, I expect them to actively get better, whereas I think that the Colts have maybe been playing a bit above their level up to this point. Okay. Last game we're going to talk about here, Logan, is the Monday Night Football Showdown between a couple of teams that have really become known for their miraculous ways to underwhelm and lose football games and underachieve their talent. It's the Cowboys and the Chargers. Who are you more worried about at this point? Man, what a loaded question. I think I'm more loaded. I'm I'm more loaded. I'm loaded. I'm freaking loaded, wow, man. He's flexing. Bro is flexing on the pod. God. Not what that word means. Uh, I'm definitely more oh. worried about the, the Cowboys. It, it's a... It's the logo, man. It, it's the freaking logo. Like, it's it's just what Jerry comes West. with the Cowboys, dude. The, the star on the side of their helmet. I don't know how many times you can get smacked in the mouth before I lose faith in you, dude. It's not even that you lost to the Niners. It's not even that you lost to the Cardinals. Like... The Cowboys have gotten smacked in the mouth by both of those teams, Carson. They have shown us relatively nothing to be excited about, to have faith in. I think the biggest issue, and it's a guy that I've defended so many times, it's a guy that I always go to battle for, that I don't think I can fight for anymore. It's Dak Prescott. I I don't know how I can go to war for Dak anymore, man. I have loved Dak. I've, I've praised all of his qualities, his leadership, his mentality, his arm. Does Dak suck? Like, does if, if, if we overrated Dak completely, Carson, and I hate doing that because, like, I love Dak. I love Dak. I, I think he's a, he's a guy that I've bought into time and time again, and it's frustrating because continuously in big spots he has shown us that we should not have faith in him if the running game isn't going, if the situation isn't perfect, right? We always... 
we always give these major props to Brock Purdy. Oh, Brock Purdy plays in such an ideal situation, and he doesn't screw it up. Dak's in a really good freaking situation, and he can't get it right, man. It's it's frustrating, and I just wonder if, if he's the guy. Like, have we underrated the loss of Amari Cooper? Have we underrated how great those contending teams were with Zeke, with the best offensive line in football, with loading receiving talent, and, and, and defenses? It's... It's frustrating, man, because I want to buy into the Cowboys year in, year out. I want to buy into Dak, and they show us reasons not to. The Chargers are in a hell of their own, a very unique hell where Brandon Staley cannot make a good coaching decision, where they have one of the top three QB talents on planet Earth, and they still struggle to win football games. The Chargers are in their unique hell, but the Cowboys are in perpetual hell where they just cannot get out of their own way, and... I'm really wonder. I really wonder if it's deeper than the, just the Cowboys being the Cowboys. I wonder if it's a Dak issue too, man. Like Dak, frankly, has not played this year like a top half of the league QB. He has been a below average quarterback, and this is a guy I ranked top ten coming into this season. He's shown me nothing this year. I don't know. I wonder if we've overrated the Cowboys, and I wonder if we've overrated Dak. I'm significantly more worried about the Cowboys and the Chargers. You make an interesting point about just how loaded those Cowboys teams were early in Dak's career, but then I thought that he really took a meaningful leap in terms of his ability to carry an offense, to make big throws, to have them lean on one of the best passing attacks in football. We saw it before he got hurt in 2020 when he had that historic start to the season he was playing at an elite level. Then 2021 goes out, leads the number one scoring offense in football, has another great season Last year, he was too turnover prone, but still when he was on the field, they were dropping 30 plus points per game. And my hope was that with a new coach who could maybe dial down the aggression just a little bit, Dak could cut down on the turnovers. And then you've got a really, really good starting quarterback, the kind of guy who is top 10, who can be your guy potentially in a deep playoff run. And he just has underwhelmed. Last week was obviously abysmal. But the first three weeks, yeah, maybe he didn't have the deadly turnovers, but he was inconsistent. They weren't really doing anything dynamic through the air. It was a disappointing start to the year even before that disaster class. So I guess this question is relative to expectations because I viewed the Cowboys as being in a different tier than the Chargers. I still think the Chargers have way too many glaring defensive issues to be taken seriously as a contender, but I looked at the Cowboys talent on paper and said they're certainly a top three team in the nfc they're a team that maybe if they can get back at that level for a four game stretch and mike mccarthy cannot bungle things and can coach at a reasonably high level they could be a super bowl kind of team those two skepticisms did keep me a little bit lower on them than maybe some people who crown them as the super bowl favorite because they were so dominant through the first couple weeks but dak has been legitimately disappointing the Cowboys offense has been consistently underwhelming at this point. The run game, I think we've seen really struggle this past week. Obviously, the Niners shut down everything, but these last couple weeks as a whole, I think it's taken a bit of a step back. So the Cowboys are still a really good football team, but they're concerning. And, and I think that they have had to be knocked down a peg. The Chargers, I mean, Justin Herbert is still playing really unbelievable football to me, but they're terribly coached and they suck defensively. So they're the worst football team. I would pick the Cowboys to win this game. 
Uh, <laughs> oh. I don't know, man. I no, no, no. Know. But here's the thing, Logan. Here's the thing that you got to remember about the Cowboys voodoo, whatever curse has been bestowed upon them. It doesn't bite them every week. I mean, they have to sprinkle it in there because you need to give the periods where the hype uh -huh. builds, the hype crescendos, then it comes crashing down. You have the two most dominant wins in football, then you lose to the team that everybody thought was going to win one game all year. You have a dominant bounce back performance, then the hype is ultimately built up to its highest point for your matchup against the other NFC favorite that's when you absolutely shit the bed and get dominated. So they're going to have to have some bounce back weeks before they can do it again. Oh, so I mean, they're going to crush. They're probably going to beat the Chargers. They'll, they'll beat the Rams convincingly after their bye week. And then the Eagles are going to come and they're going to bring the paddle out yeah. and just spank the boys. Yeah, that's how it goes. So on the road, I mean, Chargers don't really have fans, so I don't think that <laughs> matters. I would take Dallas this week. You make a really good point. I, the Cowboys do this. It's actually it's a it's a tried and tested uh, pattern. You know what? I will yeah. I will take the boys. They've got to build the, they've got to get the cavalry back on the, uh, back on the yeah. ship, man. Before before they can let us down again, inevitably. They do. They've got to have everybody talking about how this is going to be the sixth Super Bowl, and then that's when they really uh, that's when they get you. All right. There you have it, folks. Hope you enjoyed this one. If you did, the good news is you can find all of our shows at the Volume YouTube page with video. You can listen to the podcast across audio platforms. You can follow us across social, TikTok and Instagram at NerdSesh, Twitter at Nerd underscore Sesh. You can join our Discord at the link tree in any of our social media bios if you just want to talk NFL, NBA, be part of our community. You can also buy our merch at thevolume.com. We've got hats, we've got shirts, we've got hoodies, we've got the flags behind us, so check all that out also in our link tree. And with that, as always, appreciate you guys. I've been Carson Brabber. I have been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sash. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.